Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everybody. Russ and my hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell icon so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Today's guest is on Twitter a lot. He's on Twitter a lot. <laughs> Fazamania. He hasn't put his Twitter handle, but it's Fazamania. Yeah, it's, it's Paul for it. Hi, Paul. How are you? Yeah, I Russ. Very well, thank you. How's things? How's how are you in this weird world we live in now? This weird Corona esque world. Yeah, strange. Um, I had a bad dose of COVID oh, actually. Good. So back in March, April, I had sort of sixteen days battling away, and then a six week recovery. So it's. It's almost one of the reasons why I started watching your videos, because there's nothing else to do. Nothing, nothing better to do. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, and here, and now we've come full circle, Paul, and now you're going to be on one of the videos. So I know. Really this is really strange. Really yeah. strange. Having watched, watched many, many of the videos. What am I, the 196th guest or something? Very, very close. Very. Is, okay. I, I have to, I have to um, calculate it, because... I hopefully will have a very good guest on my 200th guest, but I've got to make sure I interview him at the right time. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to be completely out of the, out of sync. But uh, no, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's gone a bit crazy to be honest. Um, for what was an idea just beginning of beginning of lockdown, really, it's gone a bit mental. But, yes, uh, yes, it is, it is what it is. But um, you know, yeah, at least... I'll tell you, it's a really good set of videos. I've really cool. enjoyed them, and I think it's a it's a fantastic idea. And yeah, I've, I, I think they've been great. And uh, it's the, the word that keeps coming out the whole time is nostalgia. Yeah. So it's really nice to sort of get some nostalgic views from from other fans as well, not just players, but fa- well, the players is interesting, but fans as well. Yeah. And just listening into other people's sort of perspectives. Yeah. On, on West Ham, because obviously I have my own, but yeah. uh, it comes from a certain place. Yes. And then obviously, but on Twitter, I've connected with obviously lots of fans as well, which is it's great to see some of them. 
So talking about West Ham. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you imagine you could put more the, the face or the face of the name a bit better, you know, because it's otherwise people are just hid behind 140 characters then, isn't it? It's all yeah. together. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm anonymous on Twitter only because it's just how it started out because I've got, I've got a full-time job mm. and I didn't want people sort of, sort of raking through the internet, looking at my name and looking at me ranting about West Ham and, uh, <laughs> and then tracking me down, essentially. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's good to, uh, yeah, it's good to connect with people. And, and probably over the last three or four years, I have got active on Twitter and other social media just because the fans have kind of come out of the woodwork true yeah so you know i watched all the sort of podcasts the west ham way was the first one i started watching mm. um so that was dave and x and sort of following you know x obviously had some good information on transfers which which worked very well and um, and you know more sort of latterly sort of gonzo and geo on uh the hammers chat so yeah no it's good it is uh, it's there's uh, plenty to watch now <clears throat> which is good because like you know it, it, you know it just seems that there's i mean obviously you've got X and date West Ham way you got Corey now doing the YouTube channel now which is quite good and yeah you've got obviously yeah the hammers chat guys you've obviously got West Ham fan TV you've got Irons United you've got three hammers you've got JP so you know you've got a whole bunch and more than yeah. just, I'd say more than just a podcast as well otherwise Nigel Card and Sean before we be yeah that's true. So, no, I'll listen to that as well that's and, good. Stop, and stop hammer time as well <laughs> they're all we you know they're all friends of the channel but um and, and the USA guys nice. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, guys, if anyone out, but I don't think I am now. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's loads of stuff. And I think, particularly during lockdown, it was a lot of people turned to that because it was like regular content, wasn't it? Because like on telly, there was nothing, and yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. I mean, you know, YouTube viewership has gone up like so much because of that. And um, but it's great, it's great. And you know, as you said, nostalgia is what I do. So as, as our channel, all those yeah. other guys, they, they talk about all the current stuff and, and good luck to them. But I just do nostalgia because I can't get in trouble with that. Morning. No, exactly. Well, nostalgia is a good thing because probably most of my best memories are West Ham from 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah. So I'm, I'm 52 next week. So that gives you, you know, I saw my first match in 77. So, mm. uh, you know, I was nine, eight, nine years old. So we're talking 43, 44 years. But uh, my, my one one thing that's come across on the channel, most people's best memories seem to be of a certain age group. Yeah. Uh, they seem to be sort of their teenage years, yeah. uh, their early 20s when they really sort of got into West Ham. And uh, yeah. you know, they seem to be the sort of favourite times. You, know, you sort of see it through rose-tinted spectacles. Yeah. Very much so. I think it's because I remember someone mentioned that they do say, you know your favorite music's from that sort of uh, late late teens early 20s that's yeah. the type of music you like and i think it's the same true with football because it's that coming of age isn't it where you could go to the pub and you could probably go on your own go with your mates go away games all that type of stuff and so yeah naturally your eyes are more widened to that sort of and it's true for me you know it's like my i was 92 so sort of the early 2000s were sort of late 2000s early 2000s were sort of my my sort of your era my my yeah my rose yeah. glasses era and i've been very fortunate to interview obviously some players from that era as well so yeah it's like you know wow you know <laughs> for me i got more excited interviewing um pete butler than than, than maca for example sorry maca i know he watches but yeah. you know what i mean because it's like my my era was pete butler and and trevor sinclair's and martin allen's and people like john that so, oh super like. john yeah and we've just yeah. and and this this one uh, the day after your video is going up paul there's a great x hammer my all-time number one x hammer 
it's not my all-time number one. No, I say it wrong. He's the only player I've had on the back of my shirt ever. And, oh, I, yeah. and I interviewed him, so he'll be on tomorrow. So it'd be very good. But anyway, we can, we can wait for that one. We're talking about you today. You took, uh, no, I've had a choice. Marco Boogers exclusive. No, 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 no. James, uh, James Jones and We Are West Ham podcast. I knew there's another one I forgot. He's got a Marco Boogers shirt, but um, I'm pretty sure it's the only one that was made in circulation. No, you have to wait and see. But okay. it's, it's a good laugh. It's a good, it's a, it's a right giggle. But anyway, um, so we're talking about you today, Paul, not about the other, other guests and stuff. Yeah, channel. Yeah, what about yeah. you and, and your West Ham journey? So obviously you said 77 was roughly sort of your first game. Yes. When... When did you become a West Ham fan? What was your sort of origin story? Yeah, well, I mean, my dad was born in the area, uh, born and sort of bred in the area. So he lived in a road called Aragon Road. Um, so it, it comes from Catherine of Aragon, of course, you know, yeah. and Berlin is the Berlin grounds. There's a series of roads, if you know the area, uh, Par Road and yes, uh, and the like. Um, so literally lived five, six hundred yards from the ground. Um, so it's in his DNA. It was in my DNA as well. Um, he used to go with his with his dad. Uh, his his grandfather went and beyond that. So in fact, if you track the family traits uh, history, you could probably go right back to about hundred years to the very beginnings. Um, and all my family back you know, before them were sort of boilermakers. So they they were probably sort of worked in the docks and worked in the. Uh, shipping business which is sort of the early roots of West Ham really uh, most of the chicken run were dockers in the 70s um, so it was in my DNA but I mean as it happens I was born in Plumstead so I was kind of the I'm the sort of what's the first generation a generation that's popped out of the East End yeah so I'm a I'm a sort of fake East Ender really um, even though it's kind of runs in my blood. So it's it's always interesting listening to, so again, some of the other guys who are sort of born and bred in the area. Um, but obviously, you know, it, it does run through my veins. And mm. uh, it, we could talk about it a bit, but obviously all my rituals in, in the early 70s were based around, you know, going up to my nans who used to live in Aragon Road and, you know, we had a routine. Yeah. So, you know, we used to... I live in Kent now, I lived in Kent back then, but that was before the M25 was built. So we used to drive up at sort of nine or 10 in the morning. And, and again, you have to, this will, for younger fans, they won't kind of understand this, no. but back then you didn't have to be a season ticket holder. You could just say, today's the day we're going to go and watch West Ham. And we would, we would jump in the car and drive up and we'd go to my nan's, we'd have a bacon sandwich, you'd always have a cup of tea on the go. She'd always put two bollards outside of the road because the whole road is full of bollards. So you've got, you've got your parking space. Um, and then she would pop out, you know, just at the point where we drove up. And, yeah, we'd walk in. Obviously, the excitement was raging at that point because you could see the ground as we drove up. It was an enormous structure. And, uh, you know, then we would sort of at a certain time back then. It used to be about one third. Every game was at 3 o'clock on a Saturday mm. afternoon. Um, so we had to leave at a certain time. Always had to leave about one twenty, one fifteen, because if you had a child with you, you had to get a spot by the, um, uh, you know, the the, the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because if you didn't get a spot by the bar, you would just get pushed over by all the fans. Because back then it was all standing. So whenever we scored a goal, you'd move forward about six or seven rows. You just go flying. So you know, my dad would always try and get me the bar. 
and we'd stand behind that bar and have a little box or a seat back then. It was like a little sort of child seat, and you'd stand on the seat, so I'd be the same height as all the fans around me. Um, and then, um, yeah, it was just a case of it, it was standing back then as well, which was always interesting. So from 77 to, what, 94, it was all standing. So, yeah. so for me, that's why that era was kind of special to me. And, in fact, really post-94, um, the, the game kind of died a bit for me. Mm. Not completely. I still went to watch West Ham and sat in the seats and everything. But even to this day, you can't beat that that period where you know no. you're standing with everybody else and sort of soaking up the vibes, the atmosphere, the smells, and, and everything associated with it. So, um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, it's so it does run through my DNA. It's going to run through the family. Yeah, um, you know, my my son's a West Ham fan. Most of the family are. But um, and in fact, my nan always used to. She there's a family myth. It's it's um, I don't know how true it is because it's a myth. But um, she always claimed that she dated Bobby Moore's father, and uh, she always said that if if she'd have carried on that relationship, she'd have ended up having Bobby Moore as a son, which would have been great. That's that's such a West Ham thing, isn't it? Because we live live in the the old, and if they hadn't sold Lampard and Rio, we'd have been we'd have won the Premier League. And it's always if only he's a West. She would have had Bobby Moore, the plumber, not Bobby Moore, the. uh... (laughs) (laughs) It's all fantastic. I said, "Nan, you know the the great thing about the fact you sort of broke up that relationship is we ended up with Bobby Moore." Yeah, and and, yeah, exactly. And uh, who knows what would have happened? Yeah, from '66 onwards, isn't it? So it's. uh, Yeah, yeah. we used to sell cigarettes in the '30s just outside the ground. Um, So yeah, there's kind of a rich history, and um, Mm. you know, even my dad. My dad's first game was in '46. I still go with my dad and my brother, by the way. Wow. So you know, he's coming up '82. My brother sort of comes along with me as well. Comes along with me. They 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 come to football. and uh yeah my dad it was interesting when he did the richard digens video because yeah. he was talking about ken tucker's sweet shop now, i've heard the same story from my dad year after year after year you know at the end of school they'd go down to ken tucker's sweet shop and he used to you know used to ask him whether he was playing on the saturday and yeah that's what he used to do he used to run a sweet shop in the week play for west ham on the saturday yeah, it's crazy so, uh, it's like someone i can't remember who i interviewed and apologies because they'll they'll mention it straight away someone <clears> interviewed um went to buy it was their birthday and they went to the sports Bobby Moore's sports shop across the road from the ground yeah, and was it. sold and was sold his birthday tracksuit from by Bobby Moore. It's just right. like, it's okay. like nowadays it's just mental. You wouldn't get, yeah. as I said, you wouldn't get, I don't know, um, Sebastian Hallow in, in sports direct or whatever. You know, just... But even when I took my, uh, when I took my son to his first game, which was back at Upton Park, he's 18, yeah. uh, 16 now, coming up 17. Um, so he managed to see a bit of Upton Park football. Mm, mm. We went to Ken's Caf just for a you know a bite to eat, yeah. and uh, I thought, crikey, the amount of history that's probably run through that place is incredible. But um, crazy. But yeah. I remember you, when you mentioned about the bollards, that always, I always I forgot completely forgot about the bollards and wheelie bins, and they'd always you know you'd go down around the back one by the where the, where the statue is now but all the way down that long road there and yeah. there was all the bollards up and oh god yeah. i just remember that my my granddad his massive car would just like nudge them just so he can get in so the, it, poor, yeah. so the poor bollards are probably about this far apart now you can get a smart car in them now but uh no oh god. Well, what was interesting is after the match you'd come you'd come out and you know, the whole place would be buzzing with you one yeah. or long 
and you'd come back and along all the all the all the houses generally the women sounds a bit sexist but generally the women would stand outside the front waiting for the guys to come back in from the football Um, and you would see them all just you know one by one jumping into their houses and they'd all ask the result as you'd have to tell them the result 10 times you know as you walk past how do we get on how do we get on how do we how do we score so um because there's a if, if you know the area again Aragon road there's a there's a cut through i think it's uh cabot way uh, yeah. i think you go down cabot way and then you cut through some flats and then you sort of do a sort of little jig through the streets and then obviously you end up with the sort of sides of the of the north bank which is where i spent you know that's where we used to stand in the north bank um so we spent all our times just standing behind you know the goal probably 19 or 20 rows back because yeah. we used to like to see the ball thumping in the net um rather than sort of get the side view and, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah we used to look up at the guys in the whatever that would be the west stand i think or the east stand either yeah. you know the rich guys who had the seats and the plus plus uh you know sort of facilities they always used yeah. to turn up about five minutes before the game because back then the uh, the entertainment on the pitch was unusual because you used to have a marching band yeah. Did you ever watch West Ham when that happened? No, what no, but we, we recreated it, didn't we? We tried to recreate it a few times. So um we did the uh, the the famous Ipswich game. We we put on the, the, the post horn gallop and we got the guy and did all that. But yeah, no, I'm right. we used to, uh, yeah, not on not not live <coughs> originally, but obviously we tried to we've done tried to recreate it. And obviously when it comes to like Christmas and sort of Remembrance Sunday, we always try and get a get a mark get a band on don't we so you know sort of the, the british legion or something like that to do it yeah not no. the original marching bands for sure yeah but there used to be upton park used to be that little box didn't there which i think i presume held the dj in there did it and the it, was, it was downstairs yeah so where you had the police control room and it was almost like a porter cabin on stilts and then and then when we moved into the new stand that's why I, when i started working there because obviously we couldn't the, the, the announcer jeremy couldn't get up and down the stairs so that's why i was up there but yeah it used to be a little box yeah with the yeah. dj and the and the and the police used to be in there as well yeah and then before the game they'd always play the, the whistling song what was that whistling song do you remember the the name of that uh i think i've got it here somewhere uh, whistling jack smith whistling i was kaiser bill's batman have you ever heard of that <laughs> no 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 but i'm gonna have to google You're it gonna have, have to look to it up it yeah. yeah, just look it up. They always used to play that. We used to whistle away, sort of, because there was no, there was no entertainment for an hour and a half. Yeah. You just stare at the pitch, um, and uh, you know, the, actually, I mean, in the seventies, the only entertainment really was you get a bit of hooligan. There was a lot of a hooliganism back then. Yeah, yeah. All the trouble was always in the South Bank. So, um, and used to count the arrests before the game because there was <laughs> it was always loads of police, big big police presence of West Ham in the seventies. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, I remember counting them. To this day, I still remember the numbers. I remember getting to about sixteen, and that that was a, that was a good day. Uh, and you know, three or four if there was, you know, because it was the south. The South Bank was split, obviously, into away fans and home yeah, fans. Yeah, and you yeah, could yeah. almost reach through the bars and and, uh, and get at the away supporters. Uh, well, and some people used to jump out and jump in. And, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when I used to sit when I was with my me and my grand and my brother. We used to sit in the Centenary Upper. Last front row and bang in the middle, and that was my entertainment. Was just literally <coughs> looking over and looking at all the all the away fans and the chicky ones, just having a just shouting at each other. Yeah, and just script. And yeah, it's just so funny because it's just so yeah. much entertainment just by watching them. And 
Yeah, didn't even notice the hammerettes, and I was a 13-year-old boy at the time. So here we go. Um, yeah, but uh, as I mean, as the crowd used to fill up, we used to um, it used to be a it used to be a peanut man as well. I don't know whether you've heard this, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Used to walk around with a big bag of peanuts, just shouting, you know, peanuts, peanuts, and. Uh, and if you wanted a bag, he would he would be fifteen yards away, but you could never get through the crowd because it was absolutely bristling. Yeah, and uh, he'd throw this bag of peanuts at you from fifteen yards, and you know, hit you smack on the nose. Normally, it was a it was a good shot. So, well, I don't know what ever happened to that peanut man. I'd love to know. Uh, oh, someone yeah, out sure. there will probably know who he is. Yeah, someone will know who he is, and uh, we're, if he's if he's he's probably not still around, bless him, I'd imagine. But uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a funny world, isn't it? When you, you t- me talk about it then, and you look at it now, and like you know, peanuts, it's popcorn now. It was peanuts, now it's popcorn. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's there's not much chat. Yeah, it's it's like it's just progression with time, isn't it? It's quite funny. It's yeah, people think we never had things like that, but we did. We had peanuts. I mean. Okay, you know, exactly. <laughs> peanuts, yeah, you have peanuts, also, and you exactly so the bottle at half time was a treat as well. Um, oh. and, and definitely, if you got a meat pie, that was you were well up there, you know, you were you were floating if you had a bottle and a meat yeah. pie. Bloody hell, so, yeah. yeah, that's if you got to, got to the queue, you know, it was always like this horde of and goes well, to the game for a wee and stuff as well. Yeah, it was just a mob basically. Yeah. And if you wanted to go to the toilet, it was you know, it's impossible. So you used to spend, you know, as we know, you used to see the trickles come down the, uh, oh, you know, the, the steps. Yeah, yeah, it's disgusting. You think of it that, particularly in this sort of hyper hygienic world we live in now, you know, streams oh, of piss going down the street. Like, the oh, London Stadium is like a, a, a dental surgery compared to uh, Upton oh, Park. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in the 70s, even the toilets at Upton Park was, it was a gutter. Oh, it literally was a you know concrete gutter. It wasn't. Yeah. It didn't even have your own. Uh, oh, uh, it seems like a long time. It seems like I'm talking about a different world. But, yeah, uh, it's great. But even if I'm being funny, even six months ago, you spoke. You speak about having you know sixty thousand fans in the stadium. Yes. That now it's like no, no, probably not for another you know until at least uh, gone Christmas. So it's um yeah it's it's not a long time ago, but it's I mean as you said like in the last six months the world's completely changed as well. So it's um you know when when, when obviously when the Obviously, you're not there, and you know you're watching on telly and stuff in the, you know the the, the West Ham games and stuff. Do you and your family watch it with the crowd noise on or the crowd noise off? Um, I'm a crowd noise on, um, just because I think I've tuned my brain into believing yeah. that the crowd are there. So, in fact, if you watch the games at Old Trafford, they've got sort of you know, the, the pictures on the seats are like are a crowd, aren't they? There's yeah, sort of different shades of colours. Yeah, from afar, it looks like it. Yeah, I think it's, it was. I think it was it's my not league. Same, it's not the same. No, it's not the same. It's not. I mean, I. It's. I mean, I. Even now, it's like I have to. Even when there, it's. I could never hear the crowd anyway because it's like my box is like a soundproof box anyway. So, yeah. but you could hear it would rumble. You'd hear rumbles. So the floor would rumble, and so now it's so quiet that I have to put on. Our friends at Hammers Chat or Irons United or West Ham, you know, the, the watch-alongs, just yeah. to have a bit of something going on in the background because otherwise it's just so quiet. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. It's How awful. long have you been doing that business now? 20 years. So, so, so yeah, so basically when we moved, when, when that little box got taken down and the what was, well, I don't know what it ended up being called, the Alpari stand, the Rio stand, the Dr. Martin yeah. stand, the the West stand, when that, when that sort of was developed, um, yeah, 
basically Jeremy Nicholas, who was the announcer, couldn't um, couldn't get up the stairs quick enough, and so to be pitched on. So he was like, yeah, do you know? and I just emailed him for something else, and. You know, again, serendipitous sliding doors moment. And yeah. Um, yeah, I've just kept my nose clean and kept quiet. And I've been there for 20 years. So, um, very good job, Russ. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> pressing that buff, press, pressing that button for bubbles. Pressing that bubbles button is very impressive. I think it's uh, someone, some asked me the other day, I think I must have pressed it, made, pressed that song and played that song over a thousand times. Um, yeah. Probably even more so now. But yeah, oh, God. I've yeah. got the original vinyl seven inch single. Brilliant. So, because uh, it. It, it was on sale at one point. I mean, I'd, it's in my loft somewhere. I'd have to dig it out, but um, yeah, it's been going a long time. Yeah, and 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 it's not. But I think I don't think it's necessarily about the about the crowds and going and stuff like that, and the crowd noise and stuff like that. But as you said, it's about you know it's three generations your family go to West Ham, you know, and it's and you know it's about the routine. It's about going to the same place, going standing up, you know, going to the the same calf or, or going to the same pub. And yes. I think that's what people are missing at the moment. It's that. Sort yeah. Of... It, it is the rituals. Uh, yeah. We went to the, uh, the playoff final uh, against Blackpool. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was interesting. It was the first time my son had been to, you know, uh, a big match, you know, a final of some kind. Cause obviously if you'd have told me back in 1980, we're never going to win another thing again for 40 yeah. years. I'd have been, could knock me over with a feather you know yeah. we won the FA Cup twice in six years League Cup finals and you know sort of a, a, a race for the title but um so you know those Wembley finals were great and uh, yeah we I got that photo that sort of photo of three generations mm. um and actually you know I had a friend of mine who's um I say a friend he's a Millwall fan so I keep him <laughs> at arm's length but um he said to me I've seen that photo on your on your sideboard and he said, it's absolutely fantastic. And he said, my dad's, his dad had um, terminal cancer. Mm -hmm. And I think Millwall were in a playoff final or something. And it was, his, it was going to be his last game. And he said, I, I, want, I want that photo. And he, so I managed to get him the tickets because I'm a Wembley season ticket holder as well. Mm -hmm. And um, so I got him the tickets. And he said, it was fantastic. He's now got that photo of his father, him, and his son. On his side, or exactly the same. And he says, magic moment. He died two months later. Mm. And uh, he says, a magic moment. And it, it really was a fantastic to see. So, yeah, we've. And that's what it's all about. It's a generational it? thing. It's, it's about the family. It's about, you know, it's, it's you and your son and, and, and your old man and your, your brother. And it's. It, it's and even if it's people that haven't got family in that sort of that sort of group, that it's it's the friends they make there, and as you said, you're, you're season ticket holders and the people in front and behind you, and yeah, you, you yeah. probably would pass in the street without realising. Yeah. But on the Saturday at three o'clock or Sunday at seven o'clock or at silly silly times, there you you recognise them, and you know, it's a Bob with his Bob Rule and and Bill yeah. with his with his sausage roll and. That's yeah. what I think people miss. It's, uh, well, even, even my daughter had a, a bit of a phase of coming to matches, which was <laughs> nice. Um, and then she had a friend that came along as well. And last year I was uh, – my dad couldn't make it and my brother couldn't make it for whatever reason. So I had a spare ticket. It was the Man U game. And uh, he popped in the door and I said, I've got a ticket going for tomorrow. Do you fancy coming along? And he said, yeah, okay. And, well, what a game to start with. Yeah. So I think there was a day we won that, was it? Two well, Philip Anderson got the, uh, the, the the flick, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. last season or the season before, I, I, I lose track now. I think, I think it's probably last I season, remember. Yeah, I think he got the, 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 the free kick, didn't he? For I think yes. it was 2 0, we beat them. Yeah, 
I'm, so, I'm rubbish when it comes to remembering what seasons what. Do you know, just like just a blur. Yeah. I remember, I remember the '90s seasons, but yes. like not as individual. I remember like you know, it's groups. I remember like you know, '99 to about 2001. Yeah, that was fun. And then I remember yeah. sort of like you know, the Allardyce years, and and so and then I don't necessarily remember what, what season goes into what. I'm although football shirts, I look at by by the shirt itself. So oh yeah, that was. That was the Canio shirt. I remember him yes. that, and and that's yeah. You remember uh, certain people wearing certain shirts. Certain yeah, ways. definitely. For some reason, I have like Jack. I am Jack Collison and Alessandro Diamanti in that horrible checkerboard SBO bet one yes. for a while. That's that, yeah, for some reason that's always in my mind. It's really weird. But yeah. um, I was never yeah. a shirt buyer. I mean, I've you know I had shirts as a kid, but as mm. an adult, I've never been. I've never really bought the shirts from every season. Just not done that. I'm not sure it was the done thing for a while. No, no. I mean, phenomena. It's a stock birthday present slash and a stock Father's Day present. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's 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 an easy win every year. So the wife knows. Oh, it's the West Ham shirt. Oh, the home shirt, and even the third shirt, maybe. You know, who knows if it's uh, if I've been a good boy that year or whatever. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's one of those things that I just yeah. And then I throw them in the back of my closet, and next season. And the other day I got them all out and I was like, oh my God, I've got to start wearing these again. And uh, yeah. I can't get into half of them because, <laughs> because I swear oh, the shirt, yeah, yeah, the shirts were different. These, Paul, I should get the door. I'm really, really sorry. I think my two seconds, sorry, I've got to get the door. Okay. We're back. We're back. We'll cut that out. Got your delivery. <laughs> yeah. What is it with what is it with like ever since we've been on lockdown, we've just decided well, yeah, everyone's decided to buy things, isn't it? And it's like Amazon. Yeah. I think I personally know the Amazon driver now because it's like he comes almost every day now, it's ridiculous. And uh yeah. seems to have a lot of chairs. My wife has a fascination of buying new tables really? and chairs. <sighs> I don't understand right. it personally. I don't understand it, but hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> If it's not that, it's not. We've had our whole house redone. Like all the bottom, like all the um, floors have been redone, and everything's been repainted. And oh god, it's a nightmare. Um, yeah. But yes, it's, uh, and then we still got to do work <clears throat> and things like that as well. Paul, That's true. You've got like, a job in between. Got to fit it all in as well. It's ridiculous. And then we do the deluge of West Ham games we've had as well. September was busy. We had a lot of West Ham games in September yeah. with all the friendlies Bananas. and stuff as well. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, and then and then sort of it's sort of like we've had a famine and feast or feast and famine. We had all these home games, and then we had nothing until Man City. Um, in terms of home games, not obviously, obviously we've got to play. Yeah, our friends at um, Three Point Lane after yeah. we get back from the thing, which is good. <laughs> and um, and obviously with Wolves, the Wolves game and the Leicester game, and it's always West Ham, isn't it? We always seem to get into a bit of a vein of form, and either the season finishes or it's an international break. Yes, yeah, it's. it's yeah, we, we could do without the international break, really, because I thought we was, you know, we're doing okay. 
So, um, yeah, we'll see how we react when we come back out again. But we're, we're quite good at coming out of lockdowns and, yes. <laughs> and breaks. So we should but, always, but it's always that first game back. So, like, after, so, you know, after restart, that Wolves game was awful. And then we started getting a bit better. And then this season, the beginning of this season, the Newcastle game was awful. And then we started getting better. So, yeah, um, yeah Christ knows what happened. Because obviously it's Tottenham being our game back, I think. So, it is. We, yeah. yeah, so hopefully yeah. We'll, we'll get the boys will be up for that. But, uh, yeah. So maybe another clean sheet would be nice. Wonder well, the last time. it's unusual to see so many clean sheets. Uh, I've never it really is. Oh, the, the one, I mean, I say the one, <laughs> one of the thousand criticisms I have of West Ham. Yeah. Uh, certainly over the last four or five years, it's just our inability to keep a clean sheet. I mean, every game, you know, you have to score three to win it. Yeah. So even in the Wolves game, I thought, hmm, four 0 with a couple of minutes to go. Are we? You still, are we feel, yeah, you still <laughs> feel like you still intend to. It's ridiculous. It's but what I do like about this team and and, and you know, this this sort of the current regime is there's always a goal in us. Do you know what I mean? I remember, God, I remember sort of the, the you know sort of when we had like Mike Newell up front and and yeah. people like that, and we didn't yeah. like scoring for Toffee. This team always seems that looks like it's got it's got a goal in it, which is lovely to think even if they go one down oh we know you know we could Suchek could make a late run into the box or Antonio yeah. could bully a defender um yeah I mean even if you look at someone like Mark Noble who's obviously you know great servant of the club and you know sort of moving towards legendary status at West Ham yeah. um he's not really scored many goals has he as a midfielder I mean a lot of pens a lot of pens um but uh can't remember too many outfield goals that he's got no well, in I mean, his early days, he sort of knocked in a few, but um... yeah, I mean, he's on. Was it? He, he, he technically, he's, a, he's our top Premier League goal scorer. Yes. forty nine. Um, yeah, because he's he played five hundred <clears throat> odd games. You know, it's like it's a little bit. You know, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Although Antonio is like third, fourth now, I think. You, you know, he's, yeah, he's Antonio rapidly... should do it. Yeah, well, if you go back over the last, the top ten goal scorers in the Premier League, I mean, they're embarrassing numbers. Yes. Really. Yes. Um, I mean, Andy Carroll was up there. Andy Carroll was up there. I remember having, to, we did it for a, one of the game shows. We did um, like Family Fortunes. And uh, yeah, it was top 10 goal scorers, Premier League goal scorers for West Ham. And um, Andy Carroll was in there. Freddie Canute was in there. Canute. Um, and as Trevor Sinclair and people like it was really funny. It was Tricky really Trev. funny. Yeah. Oh, Tricky Trev, God bless him. But uh, yeah. no, yeah, it's 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 <laughs> well, I, yeah. Hopefully, I, I'd hope Antonio would probably surpass that this season. Um, the way he's going, um, yeah, he's, as long as he's he's injury. Yes, you know, thing about I'm always worried about Antonio. He's like literally one injury away from being out for six months, isn't he? He's just he he's is. so fragile for someone so like bulky. Yeah, so fragile. But I think he's changed his game a bit because mm. he used to make those kind of lung-busting, waste-of-time runs True. where he, he wanted to be seen to be working hard. So he'd run down the wing and and, and chase lost causes. But I think the last season or so, he's, he's not really doing that. He's he's pacing himself quite well. Mm. Um, so now he holds the ball up. There was that great goal against Chelsea, Yarmolenko. Yeah. Ball went into four hours, went to Antonio. He held it up. Normally he'd sort of done a spin and then tried to... You know, sort of spin off the defender. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's, he's he seems to be, well, maybe because just the position he's playing at the moment, he he can't <coughs> do those lung busters all the time. He has to sort of pick and choose as and when he does it because otherwise, yeah, it'll be blowing. And to be honest, I remember like I think it was the Brentford game or the Bournemouth game in the preseason. He was blowing after about sixty minutes, and I was thinking, I oh, this yeah. isn't looking good. But it's because he was preseason, obviously. But he was 
overdoing it. In very reminiscent of when we signed Carlos Tevez originally, he was all over the bloody pitch. Yeah. He was useless. And he then was. Curbs went, stay up there and just run when the ball gets to you. Yes. And it worked. And right. you know, yeah. it's it's a similar thing. He's he's picking and choosing those runs now. And I mean, not being funny, he's he's bullied. I think it was, he's he scored the most goals since the Premier League started restarted. Since yeah, it, got something ridiculous like that. Absolutely, goals, yeah, top Premier World, one of five or six top yeah. Premier League scorers. But um, mental. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a good. He's a sort of typical West Ham player. Really, really tries hard. Leaves everything on the pitch. Yeah. That's what you want to see. Yeah. And um, I think he's a beast, isn't he? I wouldn't want to, to yeah. go up against him as a central defender. He really does bully defenders. He does. But, um, like, like, you know, like, I mean, that, that Leicester game, Johnny Evans, who's like a good, you know, good defender, Johnny Evans is, you know, he made him look silly. And I mean, the only person who's, who's bullied him was Traore at Wolves when he pushed him over. And I was like, yeah. wow, wow, yeah. <laughs> fair play, you know. What yeah. I mean? it's like, Antonio bogged up a couple of years ago, didn't he, when he had that yeah. injury? And when he came back, as you say, he was blowing after 10 minutes. He didn't seem to last 15 or 20 minutes in a game. Mm. But once he got going again, because he missed a lot of football, um, he, he's completely changed. But, I mean, he's fantastic now. He's first on the team sheet. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's, good, it's great to watch because he just gives everything. Yeah, and you know, it's, and it's, 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 there's no lost causes. You know, he'll, he'll yeah. keep, because even if it's like 10 yards in front of him, He's quick enough to beat most defenders. Um, he is. So it's, yeah. it's, he's deceptively he's, fast, actually. He's, very, yeah. So. And now he's got a bit between his teeth. He's sort of. I don't know how fast he can run the hundred meters in, but I suspect no sub eleven. Up there, he'll be up there definitely. Yeah. Anyway, talking of team sheets, nicely. Yeah. A nice segue. Let's go on and talk about the ham your hammers eleven, Paul. So okay. As I said, the only criteria is that you have to be alive to have seen them play. Now, you know, yeah. no, no disrespect, Paul, but you are an experienced fan, so you have a nice spread of players. Congratulations, yeah. well done. Yeah. Um, uh, you can play whatever formation you want. Any, you can pick any players as long as you've been alive to see them play. They don't have to be your, the best players, be your favourite, whatever. It's up to you, Paul. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I've got I've got a theme running through. Nice. It's a very simple theme. It's not. Uh, as I say, when you're the 195th man on the, <laughs> you've heard it all and seen it all. But um, I, I've just gone for the nostalgia, basically. I've gone for those players I saw in the earlier days who you know, kind of meant something to me or did something special or that I look forward to watching. Yeah. So generally speaking, I've missed out on the last even 20, 25 years. Not that I've not been watching West Ham during that time, but the magic in the 30s is different to when you're in your teens. As, as I explained. So when I look back over the team, and I, I was I was a lucky man, really, because there was a bit of a golden age between 76 and mm. 95. We had long servants in the club. They still, you know, still hold lots of records. Yeah. It, was a, it, was a, it was a golden period. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've gone for a sort of traditional 4-4-2. Nice. Um, Who's going to be in goal for this nostalgic 11 then, Paul? It's got to be Phil Parks for me. Um, so in the if if you go back to my early days, you know, Merv the Swerve was in goal as he was known, Mervin Day, um, great keeper for sort of the first six to twelve months, uh, made some great saves, young, really up and coming keeper, uh, and then he started just sort of hanging around off his line, and there was a game I, I was I was trying to look it up on YouTube and I found it. It's a game against Everton, and he gets lobbed from about forty five yards. And standing in the North Bank, we always used to think he was susceptible to this ball. 
where someone literally could just throw it over the top of him. Mm. And they did. <laughs> and after that, I think he lost confidence. And every time he used to go towards the edge of the penalty area, he used to get jeered by the North Bank. Um, and I think he got lobbed again about four or five games later, and that was it. So Parkby turned up, 565,000, record gold, you know, record record amounts. Um, I was looking up some facts. I think he holds uh, he holds the record because he's played more than 400 games for two clubs. He's the only pro to have ever done that. Wow. Um, it's because he used to play for QPR, of yeah, course, yeah. for West Ham. So I, I believe that to be true. Wow. So someone can um, sort of check that out. But um, Kent, but, Kent Hammers, Kent know? Irons will be on there. He'll, he'll check it out for you. Yeah, what he used to do was he used to catch the ball. Now you may say, isn't that what keepers do? Merv didn't. He used to punch and parry and flap. Um, but Parks used to catch it and catch it in amongst a melee of about five players. Yeah. Uh, he was fantastic. And we, we know he's a fantastic keeper. And uh, yeah, so yeah, solid. Yeah, solid, solid. We, we've been lucky with keepers, haven't we, over the years? We've seen we have lot. been. Yeah, I think we really, really have been. Um, and it's been. <clears throat> Apart from, as, as we said before, apart from probably like a six-month period last season, we've done all right for goalkeepers. We've done yeah. all right, Mr. Roberto. Um, yes. And obviously, he, I mean, Parks, he celebrated his 70th during lockdown, didn't he? So, um, yeah. Yeah, so fair play. Again, I just can't believe a player I used to watch is now in his 70s. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. It's, it yeah. doesn't. That time has flown in, in no time at all. No, yeah. And he grew back his mullet just for his seven just for his birthdays. Yeah, yeah. Marie told me that's what she he did, but bless him. But uh, yeah, good old Parksy. Right. Yeah. Um yeah, when we when we get when everything's a bit sorted, we we're gonna go and uh yeah, I've been promised uh, to do it and then Hammers eleven at his bar in, oh, okay. in his house. So, right. so yeah, so yeah. I've got a, I don't know whether I can show you this, but I've got a bit of a memento. This is the uh Whoa. That's it. There we go. See that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first ever game. Oh wow! So that's, that's Bristol. Nice. I kept the program for my first ever game, and uh, that's yeah. Bristol City. And that well, that shows you the kind of team we had. But can you see that? Is that no, it's right? a bit fuzzy. I can see Mervyn Day, but only because no, nah, it's a bit fuzzy. Yeah, no, it's too fuzzy. So the camera's not that great. But um, so yeah, Mervyn Day was in goal. Do you remember at Anton Otulikowski? No. Uh, He's now a coach, I think, somebody, somewhere. Wow. Uh, but those are the days where um, uh, Alan Kerbisley was in the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Moving day, obviously, Kerbisley came together as a coaching team, but they were, yes. they were in the side back then. So. They did. They certainly did, bless them. Um, right, so we'll put Parksy in. Um, <clears throat> let's, let's go left back then. Paul. So left back, um, I've gone for someone slightly more modern, but it, it's Julian Dix. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what I used to love about Julian Dix is that after about he used to he never used to warm up as as I've heard yeah. since. So you could never understand why he used to just sort of stand around and you know sort of make out, just sort of kicking the ball. But after about ten minutes, you knew he was going to put somebody into the chicken run. And in his early part of his career, uh, that was those were the days where you know you could do that. So the right winger would come down. You think he looks a bit tricky. And then Dixie would literally put him into the chicken run. Literally yeah. put him into the first three rows. And you think, well, that's over. That's over for him. He's, he's not coming down there again. And he never did. So there was always that sense of excitement for the first 10 minutes of watching Julie Dick. Aside from all the other things he used to do. He was a great player. He used to score goals from all angles. Penalties were unbelievable. Mm. Um, but it was just that moment where you used to think, right, he's really going to sort of take this player out. I used to get sort of quite excited about that. 
but uh, yeah, yeah. You can't do it nowadays. No, you can't. Your do red card. Yeah, exactly. Or VAR but... would pick it up afterwards, wouldn't they? But uh, <laughs> he and also what Julian, you know, was he watching a lot of um, like Robert Banks? He put all the season pre, you know, season reviews on YouTube and stuff, and they get taken down. He puts them back up again. Um, he scored a lot of headers in corners. You know, he, yeah. he'd score a lot of corners, and uh, never really thought of him as a corner for some reason. I had this sort of again sort of like fuzzy memory of him being the one who hangs back outside the box but no yeah. he was the one getting a lot of headers in and uh yeah. makes perfect sense but yeah julian what a man and obviously yeah. you know it was he and he's he shares the same birthday as phil parks does he okay so there you go he's he was 50 i think he was the same age as you he was 52 i think he was this year yeah shame he did his knee in didn't he but i yeah. mean he must be a bit must be in about a thousand bits i would imagine but uh, yeah and he became a dad as well Yes, again, Twitter, yeah. those, those are great photos. Great photos, Beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, because that's yeah, exactly like that. what you need, isn't it? When you're just yeah. about to you know, spearhead West Brom's Premier League survival, is, is a newborn baby. Yeah, um, <laughs> good old Jules. do it easy, bless him. Right, yeah. okay, we'll put Jules in. Let's go right back then, Paul. Let's go to the other side. Uh, it can only be Tonka, Ray Stewart. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, I've got to, I don't know how clear this is, but I can see him, I can see a picture of him, yeah. That's the vision I have of Ray Stewart. Yeah, um, it's sort of flying. This is the uh, program for seventy nine, eighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, that first program, by the way, was ten pence. Um, so uh, obviously, you know, a good right back, but penalty taking. I mean, must yeah. be one of the greatest penalty takers of all time, isn't he? he eighty one out of eighty six. Um, mm. I was looking up as well. The um, he missed one penalty at home. One. Wow. Um, and of the f other five that he missed away, he scored two of them on rebounds. Rebounds. <laughs> so, but I mean, how many other? I mean, Noble's a good penalty taker. He hasn't taken eight. I mean, in tech, because they did something the other day, and it was Noble was the third in, in the modern day. In the Premier League, yeah. yeah. I'm talking he, about of all time. No, yeah, but I think they did a, a, like a European thing, and Mark Noble was like the third or fourth best penalty taker yeah. in European football. He yeah. was beating Ronaldo, he was beating Messi, or, you know, it was, it was mental. But Ray Stewart, they didn't, if they did it, they would have been up the top, surely. Yeah, I've got to, um, yeah, I don't know where it is actually, but uh, again, I've got another got a program here somewhere it's um oh there it is yes it's, it's that one there that's the ipswich town game of yeah. 86 uh, which is probably one of my greatest memories of west ham ever really um that was the we're going for the title you probably heard this story before going for the title i think about the third game from the end of the season we we're winning everything in sight there must have been forty thousand packed into upton park that night it was absolutely bristling we're playing Ipswich Town, they're a good side, but I think they were about fourth or fifth from bottom, so we thought it'd be an easy win. And then I've got a feeling it was Alvin Martin made a mistake for the first goal, and they went one nil up. And then we just we started, we just absolutely battered them for about half an hour. Yeah, yeah. I think Alan Dickens got an absolute beauty right outside the area to make it one all. And about ten minutes from the end, Ray Stewart got the penalty, very dodgy penalty, I think, from Mark Ward, who probably took a bit of a dive, but um, fell over. And uh, as I said, we were standing right behind the goal and it felt like he absolutely thumped that into mm. the net. You could almost hear the stands falling over behind. The crowd went. If you ever look it up on YouTube, it's an absolute riot. Definitely. It one of the best nights I've ever had. And at the end, we actually all ran onto the pitch, which never happened actually at West Ham um, because we thought we were going to go on and win the league. Uh, that's how we all felt at the time. Uh, yeah. And then I think we, 
I think we went up to Everton and lost 3-0. I think it was shattered from that night. <laughs> and we blew the next game, lost 3-0, and it was all over. It was a Quite massive anti-climax. But, yeah, uh, yeah. So I remember driving, you know, my dad driving past the bowling pub that night and everyone was standing on the tables and dancing. and It was, it was an absolute fantastic Crazy. Night. So, yeah. so something up. about Ipswich, isn't it? We always because we always end up playing Ipswich in in the Championship <laughs> playoffs and stuff like that in in the, in modern day in the modern era, so to speak. And it's always yeah. a cracking atmosphere there. Everyone talks about obviously those Ipswich playoff games in terms of atmosphere and stuff. And it's yeah, uh, yeah. something about Ipswich. There's something about Ipswich. It's a little trip down the A12, isn't it? Yeah, know. it's easy to get to, and it's, it's, it's like a derby, it's like a derby. Really. It is almost, isn't it, for a lot of people, particularly you know, I mean. You know, people who live in on the M11, you know, type thing as well. You know, sort of the Essex area. It's even even yeah. closer, isn't it? But bless them. Right. Okay. We'll put uh, Mr. Stewart in. Um, okay. Again, hopefully, we'll have him on the channel soon when when everything's sorted. He doesn't yeah. do Zoom. He told me, bless him. I don't do Zoom. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, All right, right, Togs. No worries, man. Yeah. Love you. Only, uh, only non-English player, wasn't he, to play in the three finals as well? Yes. That? So uh, again, that's incredible. He's, he's, I mean, and, that, and that's why these guys have got to be cherished. Do you know what I mean? Because like, not that many. Of them are, obviously, the eighties and stuff, eighty team and stuff, and um, you know, it's and it's great because all them lot still meet up and they still chat to each other on the phone and text, yeah. and it's it's, yeah. it's it's such a nice team spirit they still have, which is beautiful. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Put Tonks in. Let's go centre half. So who's your first centre half, Paul? Centre half, Billy Bonds. I mean, yep. uh, in, in the in the late 70s, he was he played as a centre half. I know he started out his career as a midfielder, so that's how a lot of the more even more experienced fans than me remember him. But I remember him as a centre half. Started out with a guy called Tommy Taylor um, uh, when I first started watching. But you know, Billy Bonds almost was it 800 appearances. Um, you know, just uh, again, I've got uh, these are these are my programs I've got from the earlier days. Brilliant. So uh, that was uh, what was that? That was Birmingham City. I love this one. This character's still around, but uh, it's not that clear. Yeah, that that poor kid looks absolutely frightening. (laughs) I can see why Billy Bond is a frightening character, but he was always he was always Trevor Brooking's um, henchman, basically. Yes. Yeah. Trevor Brooking never used to make tackles, and people always used to try and lay one on Trevor Brooking. And if they ever did, again, as a, as a standing in the North Bank, you used to think, Bonzi's going to have a go now. He's not going to let that go. So, and I remember one one particular game against Newcastle where he was having a go with Peter With Peter With, massive sort of striker, very hard. And they absolutely went sort of 10 bails for the whole game. It was a very, very tough game. And it was one of those games where I think they ended up having a massive fight. And... Um, you you could never get sent off in the seventies. You had to basically, you had to, you had to be an axe man to to you know to get sent off. You could do anything. So I don't think I ever saw us sending off. But I think on this one occasion, both Peter With and Billy Bonds thought they were going to get sent off because they were basically just windmilling each other. Yeah. And um, that, that, Billy Bonds went right over to Peter With, grabbed him by the arm, and started doing Strictly Come Dancing and dancing off. It's a brilliant bit. It's, I think it's on YouTube at Crow. It's a brilliant bit of footage. But that summed up Billy Bonds. You know, he's just a great character, hard as nails, but fair. And, you know, just gave everything for the shirt, you know. Yeah. And I saw some good years. He was 77 to, you know, when he gave up, um, 88. 
so well, he started in '67. So I, you know, I, I saw him when he's already ten years into his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still saw another, you know, sort of fifteen odd years out of him. Crazy, so, isn't um, it? Crazy. And obviously, okay. then he came back and, and managed as well. So you know, yeah. It's just, yeah. And obviously, the the whole, you know, stand being named after him and stuff last season, and that was um, fantastic. Yeah, I saw him probably it? a couple of years ago. I mean, I'd forgotten how tall he is. He's about six two, six three. Well, we know how he's six six foot two. His yeah. eyes are blue. You know, six foot three, of course he is. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he's still a rake as well. He keeps he must keep himself fit. He looks he looks so fit. I mean, even when you know, interview players who were who were being managed by him, and he was still beating them at Haynault. You know, cross country pre seasons and stuff. And if your manager is 50 odd, is still whoever he was, still still beating you. It's like, yeah, yeah. he was just fit as a fiddle, still looks fit as a fiddle, doesn't he? Well, I saw him at a bash and he was talking about the, um, uh, you know, does, does he go back to watch West Ham? He said, he doesn't really because he's got his grandchildren and everything like that. Yeah, but, yeah. But he had sort of similar views to me. So once all those kind of dockers went from the chicken run, it all changed and it was never really the same going back. It was a, it was a different sort of uh, band of fans but going yeah. back and having the stand named after him i think he realized there were the old guys are still out there you know my dad's still there and yeah. uh, you know he'd seen his from he'd seen him from the beginning so um so i think of course, sort of might, yeah. might his opinion a bit yeah oh yeah and it may be, he's a family i mean even that, that last game at the bowling he you know he, he famously turned around and went home because yes. of all the, all the trouble and uh yeah. didn't tell anyone didn't because he famously he didn't have a mobile phone, and uh, it was only his his right. daughter or something text us to say he wasn't coming. And we're like, what? Yeah. Okay, Billy Bond. Okay, we got spare taxi. <laughs> Cause yeah, because they were coming yeah. out the taxis, weren't they? Oh god, bless right. him. But no, yeah, Billy Bonds, lovely bloke. Right, okay, who's Bonds? Are you going to partner in the middle? Uh, Alvin Martin. So almost six hundred games yeah. again, seventy-eight to ninety-six, just right in my era. Um, took over from probably Tommy Taylor, who's a bit sluggish on his feet. Mm. Alvin Martin was just a great ball player. But I remember that Ipswich game particularly, where he was up against Terry Butcher and um, uh, who's the other big defender that um, uh, Ipswich used to have? John I can't remember. Ward? Was it John Ward? Yeah, yeah, there was uh, oh, there's another, uh, Russell, Russell Osman. They're a big guy, really good in the air. But mm. the thing about Alvin Martin, you, you miss it nowadays. You see it on corners. He never used to miss a corner. The ball mm. used to smash against his head. And he used to used to be like a clearance. He used to go to the centre circle. Absolutely fantastic. So, you know, great on the floor, fantastic in the air. And even in his like, older days, and I don't know what age he retired at, mid-30s, early, I don't know. Must, must be late but, 30s, um, I reckon, yeah. He, he was still just giving it everything, you know. I don't yeah. think he ever saw a bad game from him. No, yeah, and obviously with when Billy when Billy had did his stand, Alvin did the PA, didn't he? So yeah, um, yeah. you know, still lives around these parts, and um, you know, and I, I, you know, not from not from around here, but he became an adopted Cockney and still yeah. lives in the area, and yeah, it's it's lovely, and yeah, as you said, there's not many there's not many players. I mean, you got two double testimonials there in the centre yeah. positions. It's not too shabby. No, no, <laughs> That's I missed out Frank Lampard Senior as left back. I mean, of he course, played yeah. 600 odd games. So, yeah. but um, yeah, yeah. it was an era where players hung around for a long time. It's true. I mean, Tony, I mean, Tony Gary said that every year he was there was bar one was a testimonial year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course it was right. But yeah, it's it was a common thing, wasn't it? Having a testimonial. Yeah. Now it's just, well, 
very, very, very rare. Martin Noble is the exception to the rule, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, right, let's go into midfield then, Paul. Let's go left midfield. Left midfield, probably one of the greatest players I've seen, Alan Devonshire. Yeah. Um, so, again, saw him from, uh, you know, his early days. Uh, played from 76 to 90, over 360 games. Um, didn't score many goals, actually. He got about 29, 30 goals. Felt mm. like he scored more. Yeah. The thing about Ellen Devonshire is he was one of those players where the crowd would have a, a sharp intake of breath whenever he got the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd literally gasp. I hate to put them in the same breath, but Payet was a bit like that. I know what you mean, yeah. Um, you know, the, the crowd used to literally gasp and think something's going to happen. And it always did with Devo. But he had such great balance, poise, and he always was always looking to create something. He would never yeah. get this ridiculous sort of sideways and backwards. He would always go at the defender. Uh, and he used to play this lovely ball into the box. He'd always put the ball into the box on the floor to the striker. Yeah. And it was always dangerous because you knew once that ball was in the box, it could be a pen or something had to happen. But he'd then chase after his own pass. Yeah. So the ball would be held up and then he would, you know, then the ball would be played to him. But just a fantastic, skillful player. I mean, yeah. there was a time, not so much in the early, it took a bit, it took a time to get going. But he had an absolute golden period of about three years where he thought he could do anything. Um, we probably won the FA Cup during that time. And you should just think he could take on the whole team. Yeah. And he and Trevor Brooking used to work as a pair. Trevor Brooking always used to look for him and would always find him on the pitch. He was just an incredible player. Um, and unluckily, he had, a, I think, a ligament injury um, and could have gone on to probably play for England many times. Mm. And got him really in his prime. Yeah, uh, he was never quite happen. the same player after that. He was doesn't a happen good a lot, player, does it? but never quite the same. So. No, you're right, and it doesn't happen that we, or even the even in modern day, apart from Mister Payet, is probably the only time he's in in maybe in my lifetime that we've got a player who's we get him at the right time when they hit their prime. We always seem yeah. to we always seem to be the bookends. You know, we'll get we'll get Teddy yeah. at like three two or three seasons if we're lucky, or Stuart Pearce or Nigel Winterman, or we'll go and get you know. Joe Cole or in Gakia or, or something you know, at the beginning of their career. Never that sort of prime moment. And um, no. yeah, what was Devo, he, five thousand pounds. I mean, he's got to be the greatest, oh, yeah. greatest purchase of all time. Although interesting enough, when we interviewed him, he he earned more when he was at the um, at the factory than yeah. uh, than he did oh, when he was playing football. Massive, <laughs> crazy yeah. nowadays if you think about it. But uh, yeah, Devo put Devin. And actually, I think when we interviewed Macca and Cotty, they both said exactly the same thing, that Devo's advice would be, oh yeah, I'd always have three men on me, but I'll flick it, and she said, like, I'll flick it along the floor, yeah. and you latch onto it. And um, he yeah. said, that was his spill, what he said to all of them, apparently. But, yeah. uh, he used to float along the floor, in my eyes, he used to float yeah. along the floor. He just he used to eat up ground. Actually, when when Felipe Anderson turned up, I used to think he had sort of some of the traits of Alan Devonshire. Mm, mm. Again, I, you know, I hesitate to mention them in the same breath because you're talking. I you mean that, yeah. Chalk and cheese. When I first saw Anderson, I thought that's the closest I've seen to kind of a Devo type player. Yeah. Never, never turned out that way. It's <laughs> like, but there, there are there's some great players. I mean, I'm <laughs> obviously not West Ham related, but I remember when when Henri was in his when he was in his prime yeah. and he'd come down to Upton Park and he would look like he was skating yes. over the grass. Yeah. And and I think it's it's a certain player that's at their level that it looks like they're doing that. As you said, like Devo was doing that, but he wasn't yeah. doing it on a nice pitch. He was doing it on absolute sandbank, you know, of a yeah. pitch as well. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it no, I know. Rolled you mean. Mud. It was rolled mud in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly flat, but mud. 
Yeah, that's what Macca said. He's like, go on, we talk about the football and the, how the game's changing. Go and watch us turn over Chelsea um, 4-0 and look at the state of that Stamford yeah. pitch. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I went and did it. Well, Devo got, I think, a great goal that game. He Absolutely. did, yeah, yeah. You know, 25, 30 yard, fantastic. You know, that yeah, was, good man. That was right. Okay, i put Devo on the left. Who's going to go the other wing then? Who's going to go on the right wing for you? Um, I've gone for it's, tr- it's tricky because you know you obviously have to leave out many many great players, but um, sure. I put Mark Ward. Yeah. So Mark Ward is just he's just one of those players in that eighty six season who just lit the sort of touch paper, yeah. and um, he was just I used to think he was really the heartbeat of the team in the eighty six season mm. um, because he was just he used to bomb down that wing and take on three or four players. Um, but he was such a tackler as well, just such an aggressive tackler. I used to see him coming, used to sort of see him coming towards you and think, crikey, you know, how do you stop this man? He's just, he's unstoppable. And then he would lose the ball every now and every now, very rarely, but when he did, and then he'd start hassling the defender. You think, my God, he just never, he never gives it up. Yeah. Incredible player. So important. So, um, yeah, he was, he was superb. 170 odd games, um, but for that 86 season, he was just mm. unbelievable. Um, really, probably set that season alight. Uh, aside from you know the others, Alan Dickens and Devo yeah. and what have you, but um, yeah, Brilliant. great, just a great runner. There's another similar player, Stuart Slater. Yeah, who was skillful again. Used to come down that 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 channel, um, but uh, well, yeah, I could have put Trevor Sinclair in there. I absolutely love, you know. Um, Possibly Paolo, some on the wing somewhere, but uh, yeah, Mark Ward for for what yeah, what I felt true. at the time, you know, I always felt yeah, within yeah. the team we were, and also he was a good away day player. Yeah, so, you know, he was, you know, the team back in '86 would win away matches. <laughs> um, throughout West Ham's history, we haven't won many of those. No. So, um, and oh, Wardy was a was yeah, a terrier. Good old Wardy. Good old Wardy. Um, right, let's go into the centre then, centre midfield. So you, who's your first centre midfielder? Then, yeah, I've gone for Sir Trev. Um, absolute, you know, again, fantastic player. Uh, I used to see, I used to see this sort of mess on the football field of players, and then Trevor Brooklyn used to get the ball. And when I say get the ball, he never used to take a first touch. He had this way, and again, look it up on YouTube. He had this way of sort of swaying his body, and he'd let it run past him. Every player knew he was going to do it, but you just never knew he was going to do it every time. It was just incredible. And then he would be running onto the ball because he'd have a lot of pace. Yeah. Um, and you'd see this melee of players and you'd probably see, I don't know, David Cross running across the box. And suddenly Trevor would sort of play this ball right down the middle and cut out about six players. And you think that that's why he's in the England side. He was yeah. just amazing. I mean, he, you know, he was probably our best player at that time. Devo was exciting, but Trevor Brooking was probably our best player at that moment. And yeah. yeah, incredible player. I met him about two or three years ago for the first time, and I had my 1980 FA Cup final program in absolute pristine condition. Oh. I kept it flat over the years in the loft. It was it was, it was like the, the day I bought it. Yeah, uh, I gave it to him. I said, Trevor, you've got to sign it. He said, This is immaculate. You can't. You can't I can't ruin it. I said, You're, you're Trevor Brooking. You scored the winner. So I wanted to sign it, and he signed it, and he signed it beautifully. He didn't just sort of yeah, scribble yeah, over yeah. it, you know, to dear Paul from you know Trevor Brooking, <clears throat> and um, and th- you know people always say don't meet your heroes. I can tell you now, Trevor Brooking is worth meeting. He's, yeah, uh, 
Yeah, uh, everyone uh, says what a gentleman he is, isn't he? It's, he is uh, an absolute gent. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, he'll always claim that, you know, Eintracht Frankfurt was his greatest game, I think, which I missed by about a year. Yeah. Um, but I saw him play sort of many sort of just good games of football. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that's all right. So Trev is in. Who's who's Trev going to partner in that middle? This was, that was again. That was a tricky one. Loads of different players, but I've gone for a bit of a left fielder, um, which is um, Jeff Pike. Oh, Jeff Pike. Jeff Pike. Good old uh, Jeff. Just because, just because, again, it just it meant so much to us at that time. Yeah. You know, he played from seventy four to eighty seven. So I saw him again in his pomp. Mm. Um, over, I think, 380-odd appearances. Wow. Scored 32 goals. Scored more goals than Devo. Um, but more than that, uh, again, I'll show you this. Norwich City. Norwich City. One of my early programmes. Um, that was a game. That was my second game. Third game at West Ham. So mm. Bristol City, Birmingham, I think. And then Norwich. It was one of those games as a kid where... I don't really remember too much about the first two games. I remember Billy Jennings scoring at Bristol City. But uh, on that third game, it was nil-nil with about 10 minutes to go. And uh, the ball went to the edge of the box and Jeff Pike thumped it in. And I remember thinking, wow, this, this is West Ham. This is what this is a team I can now get behind. And uh, what a goal. I think I saw it on YouTube years later and all he did was stroke it into the corner. <laughs> but, but, but as a kid, I could barely kick it five yards. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, Pump it 18 yards. I used to think that was incredible. But the thing about Jeff Pike is whenever he scored a goal, he was so elated. He was always so excited about scoring. He, he had about 29 different celebrations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he used to run half out of the pitch when he scored. He was just uh, he was such a it's, workhorse. It's a bit like Pablo Fornells now. They did a little thing, a montage of Fornells. Yeah. Fornells <laughs> is, is today's Jeff Pike. He's there like, we go. You there don't you think he's setting the world alight, but actually behind the scenes, he's working away and, yeah. and scoring goals and setting stuff up. I used to love Jeff Pike. He scored that great goal, didn't he? Him and Waldy, where Man United, the Man United goal, the where they mishit it. And yes. they, 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 we have had them both on the channel. And they, they both claimed, and they said, oh, yeah, on the interview, we, we said, yeah. That, yeah, it was meant to be a goal. It's like an 18 yard, 18 yard header. Well, yeah, exactly, yard, another yeah. one, I think it was against Wolves, where he hit the bar and the keeper's sort of fell on the floor, went up in the air and the ball span back and it hit the six yard box and then span back into the goal. And uh, it was, yeah, but he used to get lots of really tricky goals. It used to be good going around the keeper. You don't see that so much going around the keeper nowadays. No, no, they don't do that. He used to be really good at that. Just, you know, just flick it past the keeper and then tuck it in. Yeah. So yeah, it's great, great fan oh, of Jeff Pike. So good shout. All right, put Pike in. Let's go up front then, Paul. Who's your first striker? Yeah, again, some of the younger fans won't necessarily have heard him, heard of him, but uh, David Cross. Ah, oh, the original psycho. Psycho. Um, the channel. So uh, yeah, this is. Uh, where are we? Look at that. Very nice. Wow! Look at Crossy there. Crossy, look at those legs. Oh. Good old, so, good old friend of the channel, David. He's a lovely, yes, yeah, I love, yeah, I love David person. Cross. Um, yeah. so again, uh, 77 to 82, 180 odd games, scored 78 goals. He was he scored, he scored 99 goals in all competitions, did he? Because I got that wrong, I got that stat, and he went, okay. oh, I find it's 99. I was like, sorry, yeah, on, on wiki, they just give you the league games, they do, so, they do. That's, a, they that's a hell of a hit rate, it is. Um, I'll tell you the thing about David Cross. Um, he used to be, I used to think, as good with his head as he was was with his feet. 
So the goalkeepers used to come over and used to glance the header on to whoever else was up front in the early days, probably Pop Robson, um, used to glance it. And I used to think, wow, most strikers used to just thump it with their head and used to go all over the place. Mm. He used to kind of glance it or nod it down. Mm. I don't know how many goals he scored with his head, but he was absolutely deadly with his head. Um, and he used to get into really what I call like nasty positions. Mm. He used to get in between two defenders, you know, waist height, knee coming up and you know, he'd be diving in yeah. uh, goals where you think came out literally it would, it would turn an average cross into a into a beauty um just uh yeah in those days we used to just love david cross just deadly i think we caught him at the kind of the back end of his career so yeah. he, he had his peak yeah a good peak at west ham but um i don't i'd have to look it up but 27 28 26 i don't know but obviously played i think was he west brom jail when he came from yeah, I think he came from West Brom. I think it was his first game he played for us was against West Brom or something yeah. like that. Um, definitely his first Upton Park game, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, a, a, an incredible bloke. Love you used to get loads of different goals as well. Volleys, mm. headers, tappings, you name it, scrambles. So uh, Yeah, so Cross is in there. Cross is in. Who's Cross is going <clears> to partner? Well, again, just quite a few to choose from but just just for the era and you know what he did for the club tony cotty tc because i remember him coming through um and if there was an olympic tournament for the the five yard dash yeah tony cotty would win it because i remember those balls being played through at the edge of the penalty and think if tony cotty was in line with the defender that's basically a goal it's basically a goal because over five yards no one would catch him and uh, and he just and he was a breath of fresh air because I'd see Pot Robson used to be almost bald, and as a kid I used to think he must have been about sixty two as a player. And when I look back at the stats, he's probably just twenty nine, losing his hair a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, and David Cross used to look sort of kind of a grizzled player. I used to think yes. he must be about fifty <laughs> <laughs> as a kid. But Tony Cotty came through seventeen or something, something like, yeah. straight off the you know straight off the production line, started scoring goals. Um, and well, I was gutted when he left, actually. I used to think he would be a West, West Ham forever. And never really seen many West Ham players leave, in my own mind. But no. uh, he went to Everton, but did well at Everton. Did, did as well at Everton as he did at West Ham, but but never won anything. No. And I always used to think he could have done that at West Ham and, and been a super legend. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was still, for those years he was around, you know, his strike rate was great. Uh, oh, yeah. And obviously, you know, he, he was one of the ones, obviously he came back, uh, the boomerang effect came back and, and and did well on the second spell for us as well. Oh, there he is. Was that in there? Yeah. That was in there, yeah. There he is. Well, uh, and again, that pony, that pony top with that blue tick. I, yeah. I think of Tony Cotty in that one. It's really I funny. So but, funny with Dagenham Motors, but um, yeah, no, top top bloke, and um, yeah, he's uh, and he's he's really into his stats, is his old Tony, um, a real stats man. And when we interviewed him, he was telling us something like that's 85, that boys of 86 team, um, there's something like 12 or so records, club records, they still yeah. uh, like still yeah. hold, like most away wins, most home wins, and stuff like that. It's incredible. Well, I used to be a big fan of Paul Goddard, he was a yeah. He was a- really good striker and i think at the beginning of that season he got injured yeah he did and that allowed mcaveni to come in from midfield to, mm. to basically playing i think he played like a number 10 uh, basically a striker um yeah. that changed the whole season believe it or not it's, yeah crazy uh, isn't hard it? to believe but um yeah 
That's it, man. That's it, Paul. That's the 11. That's it, that's, yeah. That's, that's the 11. Really so, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed your shows, actually. They've Thank you. Breath Thank of you very much. Yeah. Oh, it's great. An, an hour and ten has flown by without thinking, about blinking, Paul. It's a long time. It was it's long all time. nice, all fun and games. We love it. So thank you. I really, really appreciate um, appreciate your time more than anything. Um, okay. And obviously appreciate your support for the channel, Paul. It's always nice. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. obviously thank you to everyone for watching as well. Um, if you're watching or you've been listening on the on the podcast or on YouTube, whatever, give it a like, give it a share, give it a subscribe. Um, and until next time, for me and Paul, take care, everyone. Stay safe. That's very important at the moment. Come on, you wines, and we'll see you again very, very soon. Take care, everyone. See you soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.